As Cammie uh, introduced, we are talking today about what you want. Longing. What is it that you want most? That's kind of a question we're not used to asking, are we? It, it seems kind of selfish. It actually doesn't seem very Christian. It seems like the issues we get ourselves into because we're way too well acquainted with that which we want, and we need to warm up more so towards the things that God wants for us. But it's a very important question to, to ask because it's the longs of the heart that ultimately lead us back to the things of God. Stick with me a little bit on this. Um, it it kind of hit me this past uh, Tuesday uh, over BOGO from Buffalo Wild Wings. All right, I don't know if you saw, they're running a special every Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, you buy 15 wings, they give you 30. You buy 30 wings, they give you 60. You buy 60 wings, I don't know what happens because I haven't got that far, but give me enough time and one of these days I'm going to try to order 60 wings and see what shows up at, at the carryout line. This COVID-19 season, uh, it's... It's been a lot of work in my mind. A lot more work, a lot less play. A lot less time with the vacation plans and a lot more time now with planning house projects. There's less boundaries between me and my work and my home life and a whole lot more time solving new problems that I didn't know existed before this. But somehow in the middle of all that, over a plate of Asian zing wings, which is the best sauce that any wing off a chicken has ever invented, I'm sitting there, noticing my kid in front of me, noticing the nice day I'm enjoying, and, and, and just, it, it's like the whole world paused for a moment, and I said, I want more moments like this. I just long to have a good conversation, and, and look at the person right in front of me, my family. And push all the tasks long enough to, to enjoy a beautiful day that, that God's given. That's, that's what longing looks like. And it's those kinds of moments that lead us back more. Doesn't that sound like the kind of stuff that God has for us? But it took some pause to realize this is what I really wanted. Uh, sports. Kids, uh, any of you play a sport here? Raise your hand if you, if you play a sport just for fun. You got a jersey. You might not have a jersey. Anyone? Yeah, okay. But a bunch of you play sports. And now all my kids play sports. One of them in particular, I'm really seeing his longing kick into gear. He wants this sport that he plays in the fall to go really well. So like this summer, he has been doing workouts like crazy. I'm not kidding. Three workouts a day. The kid's getting up earlier than I thought he could get up. He's working out for longer amounts of times, all because he longs to do the best he possibly can when this sport starts for him in, in the fall. And what I love for that longing because ultimately, what, what happens this football season probably isn't the biggest deal in his life. But the kind of discipline that God is shaping in his heart by chasing this longing, that's what's going to stick with him the rest of his life. That's longing, and you can see what God's doing with it. School. Would anyone say they long for school? Kids? Absolutely miss it? I, I, I see like one hand. All right, that, I'm not surprised there. But, but there's some things that are attached to that. Like one of my kids just really wants to kind of get over the hump and have reading become easier to him. So even in the midst of all these homework assignments that were coming at home, even now into summer, he's getting some tutoring because he longs to get better at reading. 
And, and at the same time, uh, oh, my, my third son longs for relationships. That's, that's what COVID-19 was hit with. Like, where are my friends? And just to see that progression of going back to, okay, now we're doing the bike rides. And, and then it became, okay, it's we're right with the backyard. And now it's like we're actually okay with you going on a camping trip with one of your friends. And it's just little bit, little bit, little bit chasing along. Those friendships do make a difference in his life. Longing, longing, longing. Knowing what you want tells you what you are heading towards without even trying. And it also tells you that which you are ready to work hardest at. It's the longings that are inside our heart that God uses to ignite our faith. It's what you long for most that you are most sincerely, most ready, most passionately ready to ask God for. And he'd love to meet you right there. Longing is important. But when's the last time you can remember really longing for something? It's probably the part that's going to make a little more sense to the grown-ups and the kids in the room. So kids, bear with me while, you, while I talk to that parent who's sitting next to you right now, okay? But a lot of us have, have come to feel that this longing is an unsafe thing. And so we just seem to keep it locked up. How many times have you had a longing in your life that went unfulfilled? And when that happened, it, it, it breaks your heart. You know, maybe you had a dream of a new venture, something you really wanted to accomplish, something you really wanted to work on, make it happen, and it just never panned out. Or, or longing for, for a more connected, intimate relationship, and it just never came to be. I'll tell you, uh, Melissa and I face this all the time in our marriage. We, we have a fantastic marriage, arguably the best marriage on the planet, like me and my girl, we're connected, we're together, this is fantastic, as long as we don't experience longing. The second one of us says, you know what I'd really like? I'd like to see more of this in our relationship. Or you know what? It would make a big difference to me if this was happening less in our relationship. Whether it's better communication or a bigger connection or whatever it is, when we start experiencing longing, that's where all of our arguments come from. We haven't had a single argument that has never started without longing being there. Longing for more, longing for less, whatever it is. And I'm led to believe like we would have the happiest marriage on the planet without longing. And so a lot of us decide to put it on the shelf. Um, and on the flip side of it, it's interesting, uh, some of our frustration with longing isn't just because of what it hasn't delivered on. Some of us want to toss longing out because of what it has delivered on. The fact of the matter is not every longing comes from the purest of roots. There's stuff like pride, selfish ambition, lust, greed, Fear. Uh, we know that these things kind of lurk in, lurk in the dark corners of our heart. And so if you let loose long, we're afraid that all that's going to come along with it. And we've experienced the huge mess that can be made in, in, inside of ourselves or in the relationships and the people we care about when, when longing runs its course for, from some of these sources. And so rather than figure out how to like put a, brit, a bit and a bridle and ride longing to the place where God has it to go, instead many of us have decided, like, this is a dangerous animal. We're going to throw it in a cage, we're going to lock it up, and we're going to throw away the key, vow to never, ever, ever, ever let it out again. And then along comes a connection with the church. I pray it hasn't been your experience here. 
But maybe it has. Where we know sometimes because longings can be the source of root of all kinds of evil, churches end up making people some of the most dispassionate persons in the world, trying to teach contentment instead of passion and excitement to where God would have you go. And I'm sorry if that's been us, because that's not what Jesus has for any of us. It's calling out to the passions in the soul that Jesus called people back out to a journey inside of him. And that's why we're getting into this today. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story, and the story is found in the book of Mark. So if you've got a Bible on you, Bible app, I'd encourage you to go to Mark chapter 10. Uh, and while you're turning there, I'm going to explain to you as well that uh, uh, this, uh, today's talk uh, is coming in large part from a book uh, by the author's name, uh, Ruth Haley Barden. Her book is called Sacred Rhythms. Uh, not only is today's talk coming from that, but it's actually going to be every talk in July and August is going to be an excerpt from this book. So uh, today's talk is from chapter one. Next week's talk is from chapter two. So you kind of see how it, it progresses. And one of the ideas in the middle of summer and COVID-19 and everything to help keep you growing, this is just kind of a creative angle of if you want to pick up this book and read along with us, we, we think it's like, man, Two messages the same week on the same topic, and I think it's really going to help us grow. Uh, not to mention that, I think this is a topic we need to grow in. When we're talking about sacred rhythms, uh, it's called spiritual practices. Or some of you, uh, if you grew up in the old school, it's called spiritual disciplines. The kind of stuff you do to keep your relationship connected with Jesus. And want to get a refresher on some of these, because it's important to keep growing. Uh, but there's some of them in here that you're not all that familiar with either. And so that's what's fun about this book, is she aims at those. Uh, but, but really, the reason I'm pointing to her book above others is, you know, past three or four years, this author and the way she wrote helped me out tremendously. A lot of stuff that I was used to kind of doing on the surface out here, she made sure that the way she wrote it, I got to experience on the inside all over again. So uh, she, she's a favorite of mine. Happy to share her book with you. Uh, pick up a copy if you haven't already. If you go to the events page, you're able to find a link to that book. But anyway, her first chapter is on longing. And because this is what ignites the other sacred rhythms from here. And she points to this story in Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read it for you and teach it a little differently than she did. It says, Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have, have mercy on him. He, he, he's, he's getting loud. He's getting repetitive. He's trying to get Jesus' attention, and he doesn't care who hears him in the process. Uh, we, we know that he's making a scene because by verse 48, it says, Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. He shouted all the, bother, he's bothering everybody. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And kids, absolutely every single one of you know that there is like a time to repeat yourself and a time to make a scene when things got to turn out your way. Now, some of y'all use it too much, okay? Just because you're in the cereal aisle and mom's not buying you Fruit Loops doesn't mean that you have got to have a meltdown on this, okay? But there are times, for example, like if someone's getting hurt or if someone really needs help, 
Or if there's an argument that's been going on far too long and it just needs to be settled and put to rest, there, there is a reason to make a scene at certain junctions in life. And this man right here is doing what you all know how to do. He's going to make a scene until he gets the response that he needs in this moment. And he keeps shouting. And he gets Jesus' attention. He's got something he wants. And he's saying, son of David, because... He knows something about Jesus beneath the surface. See, see David was, was a king, the greatest king in Israel's history. And not only was he a great king, but great promises were made to the great King David. That, that there will be a sent one from God that, that's born into your family, David. He's going to be such an amazing king that when he sits down on his throat, he's, he's never going to get up again. Like he's going to sit there and he's going to rule everything on earth and he's going to rule everything in heaven and it's going to be eternal throne. He's going to rule that for all eternity. That's how big this guy is who's going to come as the son of David. And so as blind Bartimaeus is calling out son of David, he's saying, I believe you're that one we've been waiting for from God. Because I believe that. I know you can help me. Next it says, Jesus stopped and said, call him. Call him. That's kind of mean when you think about it, isn't it? Any, any of you play the game Marco Polo? Except the guy's eyes aren't closed voluntarily. He just flat out can't see. Like, hey, where are you? Just over here. Come this way. Like, that's mean, okay? I just, no, no one sees that in the story? It's just the pastor who read this too many times. But, like, I feel like it's mean to do that to the blind guy. Okay, but blind Bart makes his way over. And then Jesus, I swear he's playing games with him. Because the next thing he asks blind Bart is, what do you want me to do for you? What do you think blind Bart wants Jesus to do for him? It's plain to the blind guy. It's plain to everyone in the crowd right now. The blind guy wants to see, but Jesus is going to ask anyway. And Bart, instead of getting offended, he's ready to talk. Because he's known forever what he would want to say. He's got it down to one line. If there was ever someone who could actually help and be the response to that which I need, I know the one thing I would ask for. So here it is, from the deepest place, the passion in his soul. He says, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. And so healing happened that day. And a journey with Jesus began for that man. You notice it said there he, he followed along. It wasn't just an isolated moment. He didn't just take what he needed that day. No, he's, the way of Jesus is going to be his way of life from here. But all of that started that day by Jesus making him say what it was he wanted most. And there's something so important for all of us in that. When you can make a clear articulation to God for what it is you want most from him right now. And plenty of us, we're not ready to go there. Because it sounds too bold before God. It sounds too presumptuous, like who are you to know that what you need and to tell God what you want. Some of you are just not used to taking that posture. You're the giver. You're the one who's there for everyone else. Whoever needs this, you're the one who makes sure they have needs. Then I'll flip it around and say, now I'm the one who needs something and I'm going to ask for it and I'm going to get it. We're just not used to playing that kind of posture. And as a result of it, like if you look at your prayer life, it's oftentimes a pretty passive thing, right? 
Like we catch yourself saying prayers like, Lord, whatever your will is for me this day, that's what I want to pray. Whatever your will is for this situation. Understand, that's, that's not a holy prayer. That worked for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane because he knew full well what his father's will was. And there was something in his heart that was having a hard time with that. And so he was praying a, a, a prayer of submission of saying, okay, I'm willing to go your way even though, I know, even though my way would be a little bit different right now. Fact is, you're not letting that prayer come out. And you're not experiencing it. He, he, that, that what's in your heart is designed to be there to pull you back towards the things of God. But, but you keep settling for these generic kind of prayers. Like I, I pray for a, a little bit of healing over here. Safe travels over there. God, I want to pray that this would be a, a good day or help grandma with her arthritic elbow. And on and on our prayers go. I don't know why. Just because they're the right things to pray. But if you ask yourself, like, is there any sort of passion in what you're praying right now? Do you really care whether or not God answers it? Are you, like, fired up and would you say, like, God, this is what I want most from you right now? If Jesus were to ask you, would you be able to give him the answer? Sometimes we're sitting there wondering why our prayers aren't getting answered. And I think sometimes Jesus looking back at you is like, you're not even sure what you're asking for. What is it you really want? John 14, 14, Jesus says this several times in life. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now what, that, what you think that verse means at first glance probably isn't what it means. But when you come to God with some humility an appropriate sense of smallness in yourself and a relationship that's connecting to God, then, then out of that back and forth, I want to be surrounded in the environment of your love and I want to pour out my love back to you. I and mean, there's just some things in me right now that mean so much that i got to ask for you, Jesus. That's, that's what Jesus turns around and says, I'm, I'm going to answer a prayer like that right there. Here's what God wants to do in you. He wants you to dig into the longing that you have. He wants you to touch your own soul just for a moment. He wants you to know what it is that's, that's really there. Uh, so many of us, we, we, we like looking for our place and our purpose in this world. Uh, we, we ask questions like, why are we here? Uh, what am I meant for? What, what would be the most important use of my time? What is it that I need to be doing today so that I don't live at the end to regret the, the, the way I've, I've wasted my life? We're, we're, we're really big on stuff like that. And we turn to Jesus for it, for our purpose, rightfully so. But we turn to him asking him for us to hand us our purpose. Jesus doesn't got to hand you a purpose because he already has. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 2. For we are God's handiwork. Like, like there's some real craftsmanship that went on into the making of you. You're created. This is where he came from in Christ Jesus to do good work. Something good was going to get done with your life, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Prepared in advance. Not, not in the future. That's something he's got to hand you right now, where you're sitting right now, looking for that meaningful place in your life. It's, it's already placed there by God. 
way back when God looked at this time and this place in this world and said, I need a person just like this. And so he formed you in your mother's womb in a certain way that you'd become a certain kind of person, that you'd be good at a certain set of things, that you'd go on to uh, accomplish a batch of whatever. But you and I don't get to sit back and say fate will be fate and whatever's meant to be will, will be. The, the fact of the matter is we haven't made it what it's meant to be. Like, put, put, we got Ephesians 2 up here. Can we put it up one, one more time here? Like, it's, it's, it's in Christ Jesus. Okay, that, that, that's like the important part here because in and of ourselves, man, we haven't lived out our purpose. We, we decided to become the, the me that someone else wanted us to be or the we that the me that the, the workplace was paying us to be or the me that you thought you should have been in the first place. And like we buried who we really are. But in Christ Jesus, he bought back every way we misused it and abused it. He's resurrected to a new life to hand it to us all over again. And, and so that's why this is such a powerful thing. Longing is one the maker calls back to that which he made you in the first place. And something in your heart comes alive. And something inside you says, that's me. And something in you just knows that that, that has got to be what I get from God. And when you say, I want it, he's not there trying to fiddle through whether or not he wants that to to become you or not. He, He made you that in the first place. And so what is it? God's calling you the same way he called the Bart. What is it you want most? Not because he doesn't know. It's because half the days you walk around here, you don't know. And so what would you say? Would you say more stuff? Like if God gave you like one thing and asked what you wanted, would you really ask for more things? Or maybe it's more of a picture of wholeness in your life. It doesn't feel like there's a gap somewhere that you'd like filled. Or would you really be praying for, hey, I, I pray that the sickness would go away, the ailments would go. Maybe it would. But other times, what you're really asking for is a deeper healing that, that hits you at a soul level. A lot of us like praying for better days tomorrow. Maybe if we really tapped into what's going on in our soul, it would be praying for a transformation, a different kind of tomorrow, not, not a better one. Or, or how about a prayer for tomorrow to be easier? Maybe we just want to pray for a journey that somehow the next day and the next day after that, no matter how clumsy it may be, that they add up to actually getting us to some kind of destination. Here's what, here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to close in prayer. All right, so if... If you could please uh, bow your head, close your eyes. Uh, whether you're worshiping with us from your couch right now or your kitchen table, put, put down your fork and breakfast for, for just a minute here. Uh, bow your head with me. And today, I'm not going to pray for you. And you're not going to pray for yourself either. Uh, today we're going to move do in this posture of prayer is just feel the prayer that your soul is most carrying right now. It, it's right there. And I'm going to take you through a little exercise that uh, uh, Ruth Haley Barton puts at the end of chapter one. You can repeat this as many times as you want, but I'm just going to walk you through it. 
uh, and picture, picture blind Bart on the road. He's on the roadside. He's got his need. He's lonely. No one's really helping him. It's not because no one wants to help. It's just that no one can help. But instead of picturing blind Bart there, picture yourself. Your need. Your loneliness. What you would long to have someone help you with is just that nobody can. Then along, then along comes someone. And his name's Jesus. And something in you comes alive when Jesus walks into your life. Something anticipates. Something in you believes that Jesus has something that no one else could give. Something that you long for. And so you call out to him. Jesus, son of David, the promised one from God who would be the ruler on the throne of all things. Son of David, have mercy on me. And he notices you. It calls you to come close. And that's an important question. What is it you want? What are you going to say? How are you going to get down to one clear line? The quietness of your own soul right now. Let your soul get unquiet and say to God what it is you really want. I'll give you some space to listen in for that right now. Whatever it is that Jesus has placed on your heart right now, hold that between you and him. It makes a difference not just for today, but all throughout the summer as we talk about other sacred rhythms. It's the longing of your heart that keeps pulling you back to him and growing these other things. We've got one song I'm going to close you with today, so we ask that you stand together. Let's sing this one out to Jesus.